Welcome back to the Maladjusted Monkeys podcast. I'm Tommy Archer, joined by my favourite co-host. Without his personal issues, the show wouldn't exist. <laughs> it's Mr. Shane Club. Hello, Tommy. Hello, mate. We're back in the studio. Thank after God. the wedding. After yes. the last episode. Uh, it's good. And you made the trip out uh, from where again? Inglewood? Bumfuck nowhere. Bumfuck I nowhere. Like and it. hey, I appreciate it. But it's you doing beautiful. It. <laughs> yeah. Again, you won't allow me to come visit you, but you tell me it's beautiful. I uh, just don't want you to see the, the, the slum I'm living in. <laughs> no, but you've told me about it. It sounds like a prison in, another, in a third world country. Uh, and today we are joined by a guest. Uh, he's got a lot, well, a good insight into the world of the RSL, which I know a lot of veterans that uh, watch the show probably aren't well versed in or don't have a lot of information in. Mm. Um, he's a ex, well, he's, I was going to say army, but <laughs> no, no, it's completely different, yeah, we won't but help. I'll allow you on the show. <laughs> ex Air Force, uh, Doug, thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks guys. Thanks for inviting us. No, no, it's good. Uh, it's good to get you in here. Um, mate, before we get into your work with the RSL and everything, as I always do with our military guests, like I alluded to, you've, um, come from an Air Force background. When did you join and why did you join? I joined in 2010 yep. uh, as an airfield defence guard with the, with the RAF. Why? Why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> DFR, you know, have a special way of putting spins on it. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, Aggies were sold to me as the scalpel to the Army's sledgehammer, you might say. <laughs> Actually, for our, uh, our non-military uh, viewers and listeners, can you explain the role of an airfield defence guard? Oh, this will be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the night. Yeah. So, so, an, so an airfield defence guard is... Now, before you go on, just imagine you're in a bar trying to talk to a, a female. How would you explain <laughs> the role of an airfield defence guard? Uh, it's basically infantry. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to hear. That yeah. was the line I wanted to hear. I knew you were basically... <laughs> nah, sorry, continue. It's, yeah, it's basically infantry for the Air Force. Um, yep. So doing on-base security and uh, perimeter control as well. Yep. So inside and outside the wire. Yep. So it's, it was a good job. I enjoyed it. Yep. Did uh, seven years, got out in 2017. Um, reason I joined, I've had a very big defence family. Um, my auntie's Air Force, my cousin's Air Force, my brother was Army. Um, as Shane knows, he was killed in 2005. Um, so I really wanted to just continue that legacy. Yep. Um, bit of a family legacy, yeah. Yeah. And um, so we were talking, obviously, before we started recording. Um, you were over in Afghanistan the same year we were there. Yeah, right. 2012. Yep. Uh, the end of 2012 and also through... Um, oh, so you must have just you gone over just as we were coming back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So the, the army guys that went over when I went over were seven RAR. Yep. So they must have been taking over from your guys. Yeah. Um, so we we did all the base security um, and the outside the wire patrol and around base. Yep. So how'd you find your trip? Good. Good. Um, yep. Yeah, probably not as exciting as what you guys would have had uh, in the earlier years because we I, I had the luxury of deploying at the end where it was mm. mostly babysitting. Yeah, um, and yeah, we yeah. were obviously just babysitting TK. Um, we had no real major incidents or anything like that. So yeah, um, that sounds very similar to what you were doing, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> it does actually, doesn't it? <laughs> Why airfield defence guard? 
Um, oh, well, that's, you know, it's looking back, it's probably what you want, you know, as, as much as when we were in no, excitement, yeah. you know, it's probably not a bad way to round out um, your deployment if not too much happens, even yeah. though I know we're always chasing the action and stuff oh, like been, that. It's a bit of a, a coin flip, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Um, so you got out 2017. Yeah. Uh, and what led to you wanting to make the jump out of um, out of the uniform? So I had a couple of uh, lower limb injuries, a couple of issues with my knees. Yep. Um, my doctor and I uh, had some discussions around medical discharge versus rehabilitation. Did probably six, 12 months worth of rehab. Was getting a little bit better. He's like, you know, you can go back to being an agi full time potentially in the future, a couple months time with some extra rehab. But in six months or six years time, you're gonna be looking at surgery. Um, you know, you're not even 30 yet. Do you really want yeah. bilateral knee surgery? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And so it was, all right, I'll either try for a medical remaster. Um, I didn't get the job I wanted, which was AEA. So I decided to go with the discharge. Was what, sorry? AEA, Airborne Electronics Analyst. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So yeah, sitting yeah. in the back of the um, Poseidons and Orions and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. So I just decided to get out after that. Okay. So since I've been out, I've thought I'd decide I need to, how would I put it, to continue serving after mm -hmm. service. Yep. And the best way that I think I can do that is give back to our veteran community. And that's why I joined RSL. Yep. They would just happen to be the ones on the day, could have been mates for mates, could have been legacy. Yeah, just yeah. Happened to be, they were there on the day at Remembrance Day. So did you jump straight from serving um, to working with the RSL or what did you do in No, so after I got out, I took um, probably 12 months off, not doing too much. Yeah. Um, I've got like a couple of family businesses and stuff like that, so I got okay. out there. Yep. But I went through DVA's vocational rehabilitation training um, for electronics engineering. Um, so I did six months of that, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Just trying to transit, going through that transitional period of military life to then civilian and, and studying it was quite difficult mm. yeah, yeah um just wrapping my head around the transition yeah so one of the things i did was when i knew that i was transitioning um a friend of mine had been seeing a psychologist here in the city yeah so i actually started seeing them off my own accord to assist me with that transition because That's i knew good. it was going to be a challenge because yeah. i've seen other people go through it so i thought well instead of me having getting these issues later on and then having to try to yeah to fix them i thought if i engage with a psychologist now a mental health professional they would help me through it and it did mate it that's gave, smart thinking it gave mm, me some coping yeah. mechanisms to to get through it so yep. it was um preactive rather yeah. than reactive yeah so as you were leaving you didn't have any issues you know mental health issues that you were aware no. of at the time but you just wanted to get ahead of it because yeah. you knew trend man that's so smart eh? yeah that's no, i don't think i've ever heard anyone really doing yeah because like doing that ptsd course um it was something i spoke to with the staff there a little bit about um like the importance of integrating like those experiences into your life earlier on because the more you let shit fester like you were saying it, it it's so much harder to try and go back than it is mm. to like get ahead of it in the first place um, I think that's something that um, defense and I think all uh, first responders, I think maybe you guys do a little bit better with um, uh, after an incident, sitting down and talking through it. With police? Yeah, with police. Uh, no? I thought that was kind of changing. It's, yeah, it's changed. It all depends where you work. Yeah, and, true. You know, because depending on the job, you might have a whole bunch of other stuff you've got to get done. Yeah. Um, that's for a different episode. <laughs> I can go okay. all okay. Okay. our uh, after action reviews. Mm. But uh, yeah, next episode we'll okay. discuss okay. that. Okay, okay. Um, Okay, so so after you left, and like we were saying, that's so good that you were proactive um, with your transition. 
what led you all, you alluded to it before that the RSL kind of were the ones um, that were there when... Well, growing up uh, in a small, a small town called Howard, just outside Harvey Bay, Maribor, where I met Shane and, and Flynn, um, we, we owned the pub, mum and dad owned the pub, okay. so every year we would um, be heavily involved with Anzac Day, um, you know, delivering all the beer for the vets and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and then staying through all the whole day, the procedures and stuff like that. Obviously, then to then joining defence, going through that as well. It was kind of just natural to fall back into that. But out at Springfield, where I am, we have there was a group called the Springfield Light Tower Association, and they used to run the Anzac Day out there because we didn't have an RSL. Yep. And then I think my partner and I went to I think it was Remembrance Day, twenty eighteen, and. After the service, they were like, I just want to let everyone know that we're looking at becoming an RSL. We'd really like any, any veterans or you know social members who'd like to join us and support us transitioning to that. Um, and so I thought, well, that's this is a good opportunity. They had their AGM the next month, went there, became the treasurer straight away for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently owning a business prior was enough to, hey, you know the treasurer. <laughs> yep. uh, and then within 12 months, I took over the presidency ship of the light tower, which then within a couple of months transferred over to an RSL sub-branch. Okay. So it wasn't an RSL to begin with, but it is now. Yep. And before um, joining, what did you know about what the RSL does? Well, uh, Anzac Day uh, piss-ups at 4.30 on... <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's about it. Yeah, and that's pretty much, you know, I think most of us yeah. don't really know too much. Um, it's, it's funny you mention that because when I had this conversation with the guys down there obviously we never had an rsl so we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into and then the seven years that i spent on Amberley, i never once spoke to anyone from the rsl mm. not only that I, I don't even think i walked into an rsl services club yeah but as far as we were aware the services club is a beer and a parmigiana exactly and that's all i've really known yeah the RSL. you know i go there yeah, beer parmigiana play some pokies and that's it. You always heard about the RSLs while we were um, serving because, you know, Anzac days, let's all go to the Gaithorn RSL. Yeah. Uh, and I think every now and then they'd have some reps come in, but we didn't really feel connected to them. No. You know? Um, no, no, it was interesting because like, I remember a conversation we had, I think it was about a year ago now, where you obviously were in your role for a little bit and you were just trying to, I guess, like gauge uh, like people's responses, like how you could improve what you were doing. And I think you asked me, you know, would you consider joining the RSL? And I believe my, my response was, fuck no. <laughs> um, and that again comes from like, uh, I guess a place of ignorance, not knowing a lot of what RSL does. And I think also RSL over the, you know, has a bit of a reputation, a bad reputation now, um, because it's kind of, it's seen to be a, um, you know, pokies, uh, mm. pub, like it's kind of feels like it's drifted away, but I guess a lot of people don't understand like the, the separation between like the, the actual service branches and uh, the clubs themselves. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That's, um, and thank God we've got Doug to walk us through it now. <laughs> when you first got into the role, um, when you started, you obviously interacting with diggers, um, I would assume that were either had just finished serving or are still serving. Did you find that a lot of guys were kind of in the same boat of not really knowing what the RSL does? Pretty much. The Look, I didn't even know. When, yeah. I, when I signed up to, to get involved, I wasn't sure what I was getting involved in. Yeah. Um, and because we were a new one, it was building it from the ground up. So that's a whole different experience to these 
well-established 40, 50, 60, 70-year-old sub-branches which have a history of... Oh, how do we say this properly? Um, they've always done it that way. Yeah. Mm. Which is the most yep. dang- dangerous sentence in the English language. Yeah. Yep. Because we've always done it this way. Yeah. So a lot of the older guys, and, and I'll keep saying this, they do a great job at looking after their generation. Mm-hmm. And it's not my intention to come in and then change that for them because they do a good job. But where I think RSL is failing um, as a whole nationwide is the younger veterans like ourselves. So, for example, Mates for Mates, it was created because there was a gap in the services being provided to, to veterans. A lot of people don't like RSL. A lot of people don't like Mates for Mates. What a lot of people don't understand is they Mates for Mates is RSL. Mm. They're bankrolled by RSL. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, there's, actually, no idea. there's actually been a change now that the Mates for Mates board has stepped down and it's come under the control of this state branch RSL again. Oh, okay. okay. So it's, you know, they hate one, but they love the other. It's like <laughs> realistically the same, same. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's not very widely known, mm. um, Like you don't go down to the Milton facility and I don't think there's an RSL shield. There might be a little small one in the corner somewhere. Yeah. But then again, I haven't had a lot to do with them. I do plan to yep. uh, moving forward, but you're exactly right in that there is a bad perception around RSL because through the clubs, well, the clubs have been around for, you know, what, since the Vietnam era. Yeah. So, um, and changing that per- perception is, I think, what is going to be the most important thing yeah. forward. So for sub-branches, it's getting young veterans like ourselves in to, to modernise the sub-branch because there's a couple that I'm working with at the moment and they're all of the older generation, you know, 70s, 80s, and they're really, really lovely people. They do a great job of what they do, but they just, like, for example, they're struggling with technology, okay. trying to modernise, yeah. you know, use emails and, and that sort of thing. So it's, if they had a couple of younger veterans in there, it would help. Yeah. Mm. Um, but then again, the Howard sub-branch, a friend of mine uh, who I grew up with, he served in the Army, a couple of tours, he went into that sub-branch tried to join up and try to get involved and they were arguing over the price of the beer that they wanted to sell over the counter. <laughs> it's, it's not really relevant to, to veterans of our age. Yeah. You know? And yep. the services club, like I don't drink anymore. I'll have a few at a birthday or a, or a function or something like that. But you don't want to go down and sit at a services club and drink all day Yeah. or play the poker machines mm-hmm. or whatever the other gambling there is. So what do we need to provide? Well, we need to provide welfare services. Um, and that's where we want to go with our sub-branches. Instead of having like a services club, we have what we're going to call a hub or a nexus. So veterans and their families can come into our sub-branch and they could ask for uh, physioth- physiotherapy, allied health services, mental health services, financial health services, uh, whatever we can do to assist them make yep. their life easier, yep. we can put them in the right place. We not, might not be able to provide it, but we can put them in touch with people who can provide it yeah. uh, and subsidise that or fund it or yeah. something like that. So a big one is childcare for yeah. veterans. Mm. Yep. Because you get out of defence, you've got to reskill, readjust your life, get a job, your partner's probably working as well, you're trying to manage kids, you've got daycare costs, which are exuberant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if somehow we can help with that, I think that would be a really, really good um, avenue for the RSL sub-branches or even district or state to go down. Yeah, because that's such a hard thing 
I think across the board for all the organizations that are trying to look after veterans is find the information about where you need to go to get specific help or what's even out there. And there's no real one spot where you can kind of go to one website and go, fuck, this is my problem. And then it spits out a list of like, okay, go and see these people. Yeah. Um, Well, look how hard it is when you discharge of your own accord, you're pretty much, see you later, mm -hmm. done. You go through a medical discharge and they, you know, handhold you through DBA as best they can. Yeah. But then once you're outside that door, nobody's knocking on your door saying, hey, we're here to help. The yeah, that's right. RSL and the other ex-service organisations, like there's an absolute myriad of stuff that you can support services. You know, there's scholarships for veterans like us. There's scholarships for our kids. There's heaps of programs out there, homelessness programs. Yeah, yeah. Employment programs. But a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. Um, and as I've said, internally we do a lot of marketing so we see all of this great, these great things, but they're not getting out to the veterans. Yeah. Because veterans who are suffering from mental health conditions or physical health conditions, a lot of the time once they're out, even if they've got you know pension or DVA in caps or whatever it may be, they're sitting at home, not engaging with the wider community. Yeah. And they're falling into those bad habits. Yeah. Not doing anything. Idle hands are the tool of the devil. Mm-hmm. So if we can get them engaged, or if we can get this information to them in their homes via Facebook, social media, you know, mainstream media, whatever it may be, yeah. to say, hey, come to an RSL sub-branch and get the services that you need. Yeah. Come to Mates for Mates or Open Arms. Yeah. So it's, I think the biggest Achilles heel of the organization at the moment is marketing. Okay. State Branch is doing a good job. They've, you've probably seen TV adverts. Yeah. Uh, I believe. Uh, <laughs> you got <laughs> in one, so yeah. <laughs> So, as, as you know, like they're, they're doing, the state branch is doing a lot of great things to force modernise uh, yeah. and bring RSL kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Uh, and I've, I've is, is, there, uh, is there a resistance to do that? Yes. And is it just a lack of understanding? Is that why? Or My mum turns 70 next year. She's been a farmer all her life. She swears to this day that she has no need or reason to learn to use a computer. Not that she couldn't, she just, she's a farmer, she doesn't need to, doesn't want to. Yep. And that's the kind of mentality that the older generation still hold. Yeah. And that's okay in their private lives if that's what they want to do. But realistically, we're a 100 year old organization trying to cater for 20, 30, 40 year old veterans yeah. with 80 year old yeah. SOPs. Yeah, yeah. Like, how yeah. many, uh, people you know are ingrained in the rsl have positions within the rsl that are of our vintage like is there is there many no see that surprises me in this day and age it doesn't really no i thought more there's a couple of levels so there's a couple of levels of rsl you've got your sub branch level in queensland i believe there's around 280 give or take sub branches uh and then obviously you've got your districts so in queensland we've got 10 districts mine being sed or southeastern districts we have 36 sub branches in our district um and then above that above district you've got obviously the state branch and then above that you've got national so i only really work within my own district at this stage and my own sub branch so to say that there's not a lot of us I couldn't accurately say, but what I can say is the average age of an RSL member is 70. Wow. That's the average. 
far Jeez. out. Yeah. So it's, it's not looking great. Um, the metrics, are, I think, from the last AGM, state AGM, RSL Queensland as a whole had 1,000, let's say 200 people join, new people join. Yep. It had 2,400 pass away. Jesus. Fuck it off. That's depressing. Wow. So this is a 100-year-old organisation that uh, is a multi-million-dollar organisation to support their to support veterans like us yep. and our families. And the metrics say in 10 years' time it won't exist. Fucking what? hell. Really? At the rate that it's going now, the attrition rate, in 10 years' time, RSL Queensland won't be around. Wow, well, that's sad. Like, and yeah. So, and, this is, and this is why I say... With some of the stuff I deal with is it's it's hard it's 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 aggravating because there's so much red tape. But yeah. if it's a double-edged sword, young veterans can't complain about RSL um, sub branches, districts, or Queensland if they're not willing to get involved. Yeah, at least try to change it. Yeah, because the older generation are going to move on. Um, that's just how time works. Yep. and it's going to be left to us. Yeah. So yeah. if we don't pick up the organisation now make the changes that it requires to be relevant to us as individuals mm. and as a demographic. And it won't be around. It won't be around. And that will be a massive blow for veterans, mm. not having that support network that's been there for 100 years. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it does do a lot of great work. A lot of people whinge and complain, but, yeah. you know. Well, let's talk, yeah, let's talk about the stuff that, that um, RSL can offer uh, and the positives. Um, the positives. <laughs> So, as I alluded to before, RSL Queensland's got a lot of, uh, it's got a homelessness program. Yep. So, whenever we hear of veterans who are homeless uh, or living on the streets, uh, we've had members of our district board go out looking for them mm. in their car to try to pick oh, them up okay. and get them a roof wow. over their head. Yep. Um, I was trying to get a veteran from New South Wales back to Queensland, get a roof over his head after a bad relationship split. Um, it's operating at, I believe, about 110%. Okay. So there's a lot of homeless veterans out there. Um, and if veterans are homeless, I, I implore them to seek an RSL sub-branch. Yep. They might not be able to put a roof over your head, but we can put you in crisis yep. accommodation through open arms. Um, obviously, then there's the employment program. I believe that's operating close to around 100% as well. So that's getting veterans who are... Uh, like my secretary, he's just transitioned out of defense. Uh, he's lost his job in the last month. So I've got him engaged with them. They're going through and finding jobs that are appropriate for him. Uh, there's scholarships. Yep. So again, another friend of mine who was a, an adji, he was discharging. He was going through and doing a law degree. He got scholarships to assist with his law degree, paid for his textbooks and Jeez. stuff like that. Yep. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, a lot of it's sort of above my head because a lot of it's coming from state branch. Mm. Um, but regardless of what assistance you need, I would say if you contact a sub-branch, a district, or even the state office, we will be able to put you in somebody's hands that can provide that care. Yep. So a lot, a lot of the time we can't do like crisis stuff, like immediate on the spot because we yep. don't have enough social workers. But that's where we've got a good relationship with Open Arms, and we would say, you know, hey, let's let's work something out with Open Arms. What is the easiest way for people to like? If they do want to either get involved or they need assistance. Is it to call up or websites the best point of contact? Probably the easiest for people who probably RSL State website. Okay. Because they generally have links. Um, and I'm going off my memory here, where you can just pick, you put in like your area, your 
um, postcode and that will find the closest oh, okay. to the branch. Yeah. Yep. Alternatively, there's a bunch of like state numbers and district numbers you can call. Yeah. So uh, we've had a couple of people call up state and then state have passed it to us at district and then we sort of get them in touch with their local. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, it's a very big, it's a spider web. Yeah. Oh, and that's, so, yeah. Imagine, like you were saying before about red tail, I imagine it's quite unwieldy sometimes to try and get, uh, like for someone who's like really in dire straits to get them the help they need um, straight away. So that story about that gentleman, um, so he's not a friend of mine. Well, he's a bit of a friend of mine, but he's more of an acquaintance, like yeah. a friend of a friend. He was living out of his, um, living out of his mum's house, out of his car down in New South Wales. He hadn't seen his kids in months for Christmas. They were up here on the north side of Brisbane. I, you know, touched it, reached out to him, said, hey, is there, can I try to assist, get RSL involved? You know, are you happy for me to do that? He's like, yep. Um, so I rang my district, because as a sub-branch, I wasn't able to provide what was required. District then passed me to state, because they had the homelessness program. Homelessness program then made contact with him, said that he didn't meet their criteria because he was on a full pension and stuff, which I disagreed with, because it's, it's about the state that he was in yeah yeah but not about what he had access to yeah yeah like you can have all the fucking money in the world so, but if you've got mental health issues mm. it ain't gonna fucking help with yeah. that and, yeah. and, this, and this is where a very large organisation like RSL um, and like Defence they've got templates yeah mm. and unfortunately if you don't fit the template the, the system's gonna say no yeah straight away but that's where individuals like myself got up at district and I spat the dummy and lost my shit at them and within 24 hours we had crisis accommodation paid for and it was just because there was no communicate like the communication is just all over the place and that's that red tape yeah, yeah. Um, so in the in the finale of it we finally got him back up into accommodation and he found his own accommodation and you know he's been doing well since yeah but it's just that I had to bounce from the sub branch to the district from the district to state state to open arms yeah um, and even open arms I think my personal opinion is they dropped the ball on that particular case. Uh, they do a lot of great work, but again, if it wasn't for me getting up at district and making a, a yeah, that would have happened. He, he would have been phone called in a couple of weeks' time, and unfortunately, that could have been another statistic. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And, and I, that's the unfortunate reality of of our veteran community at the moment, mm, yeah. especially with everything that's going on with COVID and lockdown and... Well, particularly with, you know, the stuff that's just happened in Afghanistan, which we spoke about a bit in the last episode, and also, you know, 20 years since 9-11, mm. as well as, you know, a few things that are triggering guys. And you know, the last couple of weeks, I've had guys message me to either want to talk about the stuff going on in Afghanistan or even just what started this all, which was September 11th. And you can just tell that some people are... Um, I don't know, they're, they're a bit funny with kind of their place in in the world in terms of what their time overseas and what it's meant yeah, yeah and, and, and what it's recent meant, events you know? um even though um particularly the guys i've spoke to they haven't been in afghanistan in eight nine years mm. uh, and they've been doing fine but this has kind of just triggered something in them yeah. and it's it's a lot of guys yeah so you were speaking a little bit before about the, the statistics of of how the um like the members are dying out and you know possibly 10 years like obviously like national branch has all these statistics they know what's going on like what is rsl doing right now to kind of try and change that um like more for yourself as well i guess like what do you see like you're trying to change at the moment um well i'm not too sure about national 
um, because that's a whole another kettle of fish that I've had absolutely nothing to do with. Yeah. Um, that they're like a separate organisation unto themselves. RSL Queensland, I think, is one of the more progressive, uh, and this is probably me being biased, but um, RSL Queensland is one of the more uh, progressive sub-branches, uh, sorry, not sub-branches, state branches. Um, at the end of this year, we've got the state AGM, uh, and they're having what's called the membership value proposition put forward. I don't have as much information on it today as I probably should, but I'm happy to send it out afterwards. Basically. At the moment, there's two memberships for RSL in Queensland. There's a service member like us, yep. and then there's a social member. Um, oh, and then there's auxiliaries, but that is another kettle of fish, and I don't really want to pop that off today. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and so what the state branch is looking at doing is changing the way that the membership basis works. Um, and from my limited knowledge, it's like a little house. So the roof or the top of the house is the, the gold tier standard. That's for service members and veterans like ourselves. Underneath that, there's another block, and that's families, so immediate family members, so wives, sons, daughters, yep. that sort of stuff. Uh, and then there's three other pillars, which is like uh, community members, social members, and uh, affiliates or something like okay. that. And so what they're trying to do is make... RSL has traditionally been a boys club. There's no yep. buts and maybes. And to this day, I still get told that there are some sub-branches out there that behave that way. Mm. Um, so it's about changing that sort of ideology, that mentality, yep. uh, and making it more inclusive for families. Because as we spoke about before, you're not going to go down to the, the service club and sink piss and play the pokies. You're probably going to want to take your family out to a barbecue or family. Yeah. So yep. if as a sub-branch, we put on a family day and we have jumping castles, barbecues, kids stuff, sports, or if we start up a couple of sport teams, whether that be, obviously, you know, people with injuries have to play around their injuries, rugby, tennis, whatever it may be, that's going to be more appropriate than a beer and a palm. Yeah. Mm. So um, it's just changing the mentality. Yeah. We're finding that culture's changing a lot now, hey? Like, I don't know whether it's because we're getting older and like our social group, we're all getting older together, but gone are the days now where, well, we saw it in the army anyway as we were leaving the Thursdays, the boozer days. <laughs> That's still not, a thing. <laughs> I know it's still a thing, but from what I hear, not as many people spend the time just sitting there drinking. People want to go off and do well, other they, they, Yeah, but they got driven off a of base because Force of the Fridays. change of... What's that? Force Fun Fridays. Force, yeah. Force Fun yeah, Friday. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot of guys who don't just want to go, righto, you know, I'm feeling down. Let's get a whole bunch of mates together, go to a pub, and just drink all day. Mm. Like guys are more well aware now that all right, if I want to get better, get my group of mates, go play play sport or do the family things. So that's good that you know more things like that are being offered. Yeah, and there's more awareness about it as well. Yeah, so you know, the state branch is trying to change the make some constitutional amendments at the end of this year. There's a lot of a lot of support for it. Um, a lot of the older generation understand that there is need to change. Mm. Um, State branch has, you know, said that. My district has said that. You know, there, there needs to be change in the organisation, or else, the yeah. show we're not going to be around. Yeah. Um, and but there is still some pockets of resistance out there. Um, I personally don't have an opinion on the constitution changes or the MVP at this stage. Um, I'm going to do most of my research leading up to the vote in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what 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 kind of changes would, would that be? 
So with the membership changes, um, it, what that does is at a sub, my understanding of it is at a sub-branch level, it will allow, like let's say my partner and your partner are, are sub-branch members, that will give them the power to vote on social issues with okay. the sub-branch. Yep. So if the sub-branch wants to put on, say, Family Day, they get to have a say in how it works. Right now, social members don't get a vote in anything, any way, shape or form. Uh, okay. So, and a lot of the naysayers you might say people who are against it are like oh we're just going to let social members overrun our club and it's going to be not for the veterans anymore and maybe some of their concerns are warranted but at the same time you think about the defense family these days when a husband or a wife is over deployed who's at home supporting them yeah other pieces you know raising the kids when they get home who's integrating them back into society in my opinion the family unit does just as much service time mm. as what the service member does. Oh, yeah. Because they're moving their life around every three years on a posting. They're putting these kids in different schools. They do just as much in a different way yeah. as to what the service yeah, they, does. Yeah, the sacrifices that they have to make day to day, well, you, yeah. And then not only that, but the fear of, like, the, the spouse not coming home or... Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember, like, when we were in and we knew guys that, you know, would move around that had families, I never really thought too much. I was like, oh, yeah, you move, move around, your family yeah. picks up. What's the big deal? Yeah, what's the big deal? Now, like, you know, I've got my um, my son and everything. I couldn't think. Well, I couldn't even imagine every three years picking him up, going somewhere completely different, new school, mm. having to make new friends, and then we do it again another so three years. years. Like, no way I could do that. So that'd be, what, year one, year four, year seven, yeah. year ten. No stability. Like, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, they get some good experiences out of it, travelling around, mm. but, God, well, army bases are all the same. Yeah. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> get posted to uh, uh, Tyndall and Catherine. And, uh, oh, God. Robo <laughs> Barracks. <laughs> Shout out to Catherine, though. <laughs> Yeah, did a bit of time at Tyndall um, exercise and a couple of stints there. And, yeah, it's interesting. Do you um, do you miss being in the Air Force? <sighs> Com- complete, on- complete honesty. Yeah. Yes, a part of me does. Yeah. Um, I miss my mates, the camaraderie, um, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I didn't like my job in the end. I. I- didn't like the way that we were managed mm-hmm. uh, to a certain degree. I'm sure everyone can attest to that. And yep. says between middle, there's a middle management level there that I think are too old for this is that forced modernization. They, we've always done it this way. Yeah. And it, I think it's something about peacetime army that really brings out that like they are able to like start introducing a lot of policies and red tape that just slows down the whole thing like it got to the point in my old unit where we were having to spend so much time um doing non-text administrative shit like we like in a week we'd get fuck all time to actually do any kind of training because of the administrative burden uh that they put now onto um like the even to a digger level to self-administer a lot of a lot of shit and like you get spreadsheets sent out every other week where you've got to fill in like all this other crap and <laughs> it just slows down everything it's yeah. ridiculous i think the amount of um superfluous bullshit you've got to do far exceeds the amount of actual training or job role that you actually yeah. do yeah. Like when you go on a live fire exercise um, and you're actually, you know, you, you're taking care of your kit and you're out field and you're doing that stuff, like, that's fine. I don't think anybody has too many issues with that. No. But when you're getting fucked around on base or you're going out to the range and sleeping there over the weekend when you live 20 minutes from the range, mm. Mm. 
is, is just retarded. Yes. There's, there's, there's no reason to keep guys away from their families for the weekend when the range is 20 minutes down the road. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm glad just, it wasn't just army then. <laughs> yeah. Like, for a while, I was like, is this just us? This is happening too? No. Because no. I was like, I should have joined the Air Force. Yeah. Because it's. Oh, oh, look, look I. I have a very unique perspective on, on Air Force and I think all Aggies do because we are emulated off what you guys are. They've, yep. they've taken a regiment, no, what's... Yeah, reg like regimented taken, approach. They've taken a company, they've yep. cut and pasted a company into oh, okay. Air Force structure. Okay, yeah, yeah. For you guys, it's probably a lot better because you have all your supporting, you have artillery, you have comms, you have all these guys who have specialist qualifications who support Mm. the infantry whereas Aggies we have to do it all ourselves and we're understaffed undermanned yep. but so as an Aggie I'm this rifleman the grenadier and the SIG mm. and I'm also one of the PMV drivers yeah and I'm also yeah like it's just you've, you've got seven different jobs and by the time you, you you do around that you can't really do your actual job yeah like be a rifleman which is what Aggies wanted to be yeah yep. so it's just yeah and it's just a big organisation I think mm. you're always going to have those issues. Because you're at Ambly, right? Yeah. God, they had a good mess there. Yeah, it still is. Is it? Yeah. Mm. God, yeah <laughs> is it. So you you went living. Did they have live on barracks at Ambly? Uh, so for my training, they we did. Yep. We had the LIAs. Um, I don't think there's a lot of living on accommodation anymore. I think it's mostly for the trainees. Yep. I think it's mostly owned by the schools, mm. um, like RAF SFS, which is a fire and security school. Oh, okay. Um, and it's mostly done through there. And a bit of transit for obviously people flying in and doing yeah. places. Yep. But as far as actual having lids on base, no. Nothing. It's not really a thing for us. Mm. Yeah, no, I do miss visiting that base. That was always good times. Yeah. I mean, like, Yes. So yesterday when I came down, I, I went straight into um, Inaugural Barracks to go and catch up with a bunch of guys from my, my unit. And like, like you were saying before, Doug, like, I still have like, like, I'll get a couple of good days in a row and then something will happen. I'll have a fucking, the rest of the week is shit. Um, but like constantly I find myself like missing being in and um, it's really around that camaraderie. But it was good yesterday going in because so quickly your mind starts to filter out all the negative stuff that was going on and so see, seeing um all the administrative and fucking and the, some of the fuck fights that are going on you're like oh yes i've i've, <laughs> I've made the right decision here yeah yeah. just a good little I think that's always good when you, when you get nostalgic when you think about your time hey yeah you always you go oh god that was funny oh this was funny this was good this was awesome but yeah you very rarely do you, you just focus on the negative things Okay, because the amount of times you've seen, you did it, you rejoined. Mm. I was like, why would you rejoin? And I'm waiting for it again for you to be like, you know what, I'm getting back in. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> Think of the negatives club. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, oh God, I can't remember what I was going to say then. Dead air, mate. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask you, with the RSL, uh, for guys who who just want to get involved, maybe, you know, they're not seeking help or anything, but they do want to get involved. What roles are there that are available for guys to just do something to help with the RSL? Uh, there's, it depends on the sub-branch. Yep. A lot of sub-branches are, and I had this conversation with um, one of the membership of, uh, people in state branch, um, and she was saying her job going forward is going to be getting sub-branches members re member ready. So there's a couple of sub-branches or there's a few around there that if you walk into, they're probably not really ready for you. Which is, um, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. As I said to her, I said, 
in order to have members come in, you need to be running programs. Mm. But in order to be running programs, you need to have members. Yep. So you can't really That's do one tough. without the other. Yeah. Um, so I think when you join a sub-branch, you, you, I guess you just got to grit and maybe swallow a little bit of expectation mm. um, and maybe think about working what you want out of a sub-branch, how you should see it working, yeah. Um, and maybe work towards that. That's been my, pardon me, it was sort of motto is, what's my vision mm. and where would I like to see it go? And just because of that drive uh, and having, being opinionated, I've been, I'm now president of my uh, sub-branch. Yeah. And I've also been, I put my hand up to be the a vice president at district and then they all voted me in as senior vice. I think it's some of it's to do with my age because yeah. I know I'm going to probably be around for a few more years. Yeah. But. Are you also, the youngest in, in your sub-branch? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! In my sub branch, no. But I'm I'm the youngest board member. Okay. Yep. Um. So executive. So as far as jobs and positions and stuff like that, like every year, sub branches have an AGM. It's the same as all charity organisations. Yep. Um. Each year, positions might come up for election. Mm-hmm. You can walk in and you can ask and say, "Hey, you know, I really want to be the treasurer, or you know, I've done finance. You know, do you need a treasurer? Stuff like that. Also, volunteering for any sort of functions, any sort of days that are coming up, fundraising. Um, it's it's not going to be like a – you can't walk in there. I don't think you can walk in there and just walk straight into a job. Yeah. yeah. I got very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there's probably something out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. And not every sub-branch will be right for everyone. Um, I've had like a couple of incidents where people were clashing. So, you know, I just said, hey, why don't we move to a – more appropriate sub-branch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's easier for us in Brisbane Metro because there's so many sub-branches. Yeah. yeah. Or out where you're living, there's probably only one. Yeah, probably in, in Gundy or uh, I'm sure there would be one in uh, Warwick. And, and you know what? It might be 40, 50, 100 kilometres away. Yeah. So you, you're kind of limited when mm. it comes to that stuff. But I think just even becoming a member, uh, especially service members, I think we need to educate guys who are still serving to say that when they get out, like my my intention will be to get into hopefully uh, DFR, yep. transitions and on base with mm. some of those brochures and just have a conversation like this, just say, hey guys, like if I was at transitions, I'd be like, you guys are obviously transitioning out of defense, yep. your DVA is gonna look after you, CSC is gonna look after you, they're gonna do all these things that they do. If anything, if something gets dropped or you're struggling with anything else and we can assist, please just come see either RSL, mates for mates. It doesn't matter what ESO it is. Reach out to someone and ask for that help. Yeah. Because that's the biggest thing is just getting that information there, knowing what is there. Yeah. And I know, like, we always, oh, maybe it's just me, but I always like to whinge about the mandatory breach at the start of the year. And one, but one good thing about them has been DVA has been trying to do a massive turnaround and, and um, improve their image. And one of the good things that uh, they've been doing is sending out someone uh, to kind of give us a broad overview of what they do, what services they provide. But not only that, like he basically goes like, the main takeaway from this is w- like, we work here, here and here. Give us a call and we're the ones who can help you. Uh, we can go into more detail then. I think that's, I, I don't know if you guys are even looking into that now, but that might be 
uh, a really good avenue to to start and to get that message out to guys who are still so just so it's like because i remember seeing i'm like oh yeah whatever just following back of my head but then when it came time that i actually needed it like i'd seen enough mandatory briefs i was like oh, okay yes yeah, sweet i can just call these guys up and they're yeah. gonna help me with it and that's exactly right so for example i had um somebody contact me in regards to uh, advocacy mm. so i'm not an advocate or welfare or well-being officer so was it me was it you? I think it was me. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I've been no, 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 because I've had a couple. You might, be, you, you might be one of them. One we all forget Shane. The one, the one I'm specifically remembering, um, like he, he's getting out the next month. Yep. Um, and uh, he needed an advocate, basically, in order for him to be held in abeyance with transitions. Yeah. He needed to have his an advocate sign off on his DBA stuff. So I rang Veteran Services um, at RSL Queensland and I said, hey, um, like he's the guy who did my advocate, yeah. did my advocacy. I rang him and said, hey, can you take him on? He's like, oh, I don't know whether I've got the workload, but because he works in Fortitude Valley with all the other Veteran Services wealth, um, yep. welfare and advocates, they all are desk to desk. But he turned around, made a couple of conversations, rang me back and said, yeah, send him in. We've got someone. He contacted me the next couple of days and said, Thanks heaps. It's you know they've, they've signed off on my paperwork, so now I'll get held in abeyance. Oh, okay. So it's done. Because cool. so, RSL Queensland, we've got um, veteran services, um, and they're located in Brisbane City at um, one of the Fortitude Valley offices. Yep. And there's only a limited number of them, so we're trying to get more. But having that service or rather than them having to ring us yeah and or a sub branch or a district they can just bring services if they are sitting sitting in the ehc going through the medical discharge and there's an rsl poster saying advocacy services this number yeah oh i actually need an advocate for the appointment i'm about to go into they can take that number down and then give them a call yeah and that's what we need to do that's that education how often yeah. are you guys doing like um presentation days or nights or going out and talking to the guys either transitioning or even just guys that are still serving? <laughs> uh, not as much as I would like. Okay. So I have, at district, I've been given the position of membership task force chair. It's just a fancy name for a subcommittee. Basically, I'm working with the state membership officer to try and look at what we can do to attract members. Yeah. Um, and it's not just... We need numbers. It's we need members that are a probably young, yep. so that way they're capable of, of of assisting and volunteering for stuff, uh, and have some good fresh ideas. And two members that are actually going to potentially be involved in yep. you know the organisation progress. Because there's no point having a hundred thousand members if they just sit on the books and don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. that's yep. not going to help us. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. I want to get back into transitions. I want to be at the, because when I went through it at Inogra, the transition seminar, nobody from RSL was there. Mm. So, and I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, see, that seems so strange. I don't ever I don't remember know. having Me any. Me either. Apparent, apparently, now, this is, I, I don't know where this come from, but I've been told that apparently we were on base and we were in transitions quite a few years ago, probably five or six, going back five or six years, but there was a OC or a, one of the senior army commanders thought that RSL was getting too much, too big a slice of the pie and it was unfair to other ESOs. 
And so rather than having us on base to present a transition, he's like, oh, it's unfair to like mates for mates or, or whatever. Yeah. So then he God. kicked us off base. Because that's definitely one thing I think diggers need. Like having posters everywhere, we know what guys are like. They, they see it, but they don't want to make the first step. And this is what Leighton from Mates for Mates was saying, you know, when they go out and do these talks, he just quickly introduces himself I'm from Mates for Mates, this is what we can do. If you want to have a chat, I'll just be sitting over there. And just having that face in front of him, having a quick chat, then entices them to go, I might, I might go ask him a couple of questions, especially someone like yourself who, um, you know, is within the age bracket that you guys are targeting and is very personable. Getting out there and talking to him, like, I reckon heaps of guys would start asking you for information and want to get more involved. Yeah. Hey? So it's crazy that you guys aren't doing that more. I think we're trying. I think it's trying. I think again, it's um, politics and yeah. bureaucracy well above my pay grade at mm. this stage. Um, I have very little tolerance for that type of behaviour, and sometimes I have to be reined in by <laughs> my colleagues at district because yep. I, I get a little bit um, trigger happy. Yeah, passionate. On this is what we should be doing. Why aren't we doing it now? It's <laughs> what every company needs—a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've had to. Rain me in on a few occasions, which, yeah. which is fine because I can't go too overboard. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it's definitely better to have someone in that position that you have to rein in instead of people just sitting there passively, like just kicking along, yeah. doing the same old, same yeah. old, not not moving. Like you said, it's the way we've always done yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so how, how can you change anything if that's if that's your mentality? So yeah, yeah need guys like so you. It's just something's got to change. Yeah. Um, and look, as I've, I've said multiple times to multiple people, I might not be the best person for the job. But if I can get one more veteran of my age bracket or demographic to join up to try and change it, if they become yeah. the state president, then that's awesome. Yeah. If they become a district president or a sub branch president or they just get involved, that's a win for me. Yeah. So yeah. Um, small victories. So yeah. And just making sure that veterans get what they need. That's yeah. probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Because I think um, yeah, you were talking earlier about being held in abeyance and a lot of, uh, I think for a, a lot of guys, they can get very um, disheartened uh, in the in the process of transitioning out, especially if they feel like they're being um, vilified or not receiving uh, the support that they need. And uh, someone that I know who's currently trying to go through the medical discharge process, um, I won't name names or anything like that, but he's kind of getting bent over the barrel by Canberra at the moment because he uh, put in some paperwork to, to begin his transition. Or he actually wanted to stay in to do rehab. Like, or later on, in, under medical advice, they, they suggest that he should probably um, look at transitioning out. And he then submitted, uh, resubmitted the application, I think, uh, a, f- uh, a week later or something. But being held in abeyance is essentially, Army will hold on to you until DVA has accepted liability, yep. which means you can actually go out and get um, the help you need paid for without it coming out of your pocket. And uh, the policy at the moment is like, you have to have submitted those claims within 30 days of that uh, paperwork going in. Now, he submitted um, his DVA claims technically 32 days after the first one. But after the second one, it was still within that time frame. Canberra basically turned around and said, no, we're not going to hold you in abeyance, which means he's going to get kicked to the curb and not have uh, DVA being able to look after him um, and pay for like whatever medical treatment he needs, which is really fucked. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a shit situation. Um, and again, it's one of those internal defence things. I think you and I spoke about this yeah. last night briefly. Um, it's just... 
policy and procedure don't always fit what the veteran needs. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, we see that, I see that in my organisation. Um, you know, there's policies and procedures that don't fit the, the situation. Uh, and that's where things need to be bent or broken to, mm. to make sure that the veterans are safe yeah. uh, and they're being looked after. Well, so for, for him, in this instance, for him, a couple of questions to them would be, you know, are the claims streamlined? Because if they are, DVA will pay for them on their uh, non-liability. Yeah. All mental health, DVA have the non-liability mental health care. Mm. So he'll be looked after in that regards. Yeah. Um, and if there is anything lacking, again, this is what mates yeah. mates, this is what RSL Queensland, um, this is what Legacy, all those ex-service organisations mm. for. So... You know, my advice to you would just say to him, if he needs assistance, whatever that may be, let us know and we'll put him in the right spot. Yeah. Mm. Like, there's definitely avenues that are open to him to, to get support. But I think, like, at the end of the day, you know, he's going through a very difficult period right now. Yeah. And the added stress that's being put on him by the fucking system, because by the book they want to say, no, you were two days fucking late. Two days, yeah. Yeah. Is, is, fucking wrong yeah and um yeah i think and this is this is when you have a large organization and they're disconnected they're sitting down in canberra on a board making decisions off of a document mm. they're not sitting with a veteran like this like a gp would yeah or the, or the doctor who's seeing what state they're in seeing where they are in life and yeah. what their and issues are yeah yeah so you know if they had that then maybe look i don't know how many veterans we discharge medically on a, on a regular basis but there might be like one thought might be to reevaluate the medical review board rather than all your paperwork going down to Canberra and sitting in front of a board and them just looking at mm. numbers and letters. Why don't the veteran go down and do a, uh, an interview with mm. them, like a panel? Say, yeah. these are your conditions. What can you do? Why do you want to stay? Like if it's a streamlined process like myself and I want to get out, by all means, send my paperwork, yeah. get it done, send me on my way. Thanks for coming. Yep. But if it's someone who wants to redress it, then yeah. they should get their day in court. Mm. You know, they should be able to go down and sit in front of that review board and say, no, this e these are the reasons why I want to stay. I want six more months yeah. so that way I can be in a financially stable and mentally stable position to transition out. Yeah. Like, just give me six more months rather that, it, than kicking me out the door. That's exactly yeah. right. And it's just adding so much more pressure onto people who are already buckled. Yeah. Mm. But anyway. <laughs> I'm not angry about this at all. No, I can tell. No, no. But like, yeah, it is. It's, hey, it uh, keeps. Are you and I are on this one. <laughs> you know, like as we've been talking about this, like I was just thinking before that, you, like right now where I'm at, and I, I like I said before, I still have bad days and stuff, and I just like locations are part of it as well. I'm nowhere near. Uh, I'm not driving a fucking hour and a half somewhere to kind of to do that, and it's, it's a challenge I think for any organisation to get people to want to be involved because one it's like you know for people with mental health issues like the anxiety depression and shit like it, it all combines to prevent you from wanting to do that like yeah i don't envy the task that you've chosen to, to, to take that's on with one. it but yeah like try like that's really why i love um what uh Lado was talking about in terms of like just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks like yeah. classic music by candlelight like who would have thought that there'd be people signing up like veterans yeah. signing up to do that yeah yeah thing. that's right um so yeah like the only thing that's going to like save rsl is like yourself new blood coming in mm. and just fucking throwing shit at the wall to try and figure out what's yeah, going to work definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. I think I said that I gave you that advice too, um, throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it sticks when you, you were transitioning out. Like yeah. You don't have to rush into – there's these preconceived notions that as soon as you discharge, you've got to go straight into the workforce, yeah. straight into full-time work and employment and stuff like that. And it's it takes time to transition. And that, yeah. that feeds into my depression as well because I'm sitting there on a, on, a, on a pension and like on my good days – I'm like, fuck, you know, yeah, I could go do this, I could go do that. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, fuck, why am I on a pension? I'm like, what in the fucking system? What? Like, there's way more people worse off than me. And it, it all just feeds and loops back yeah. in on itself. Mm-hmm. And if you sit there, like I <laughs> tended to do, and just, like, cut yourself off from everyone, then that's where shit goes downhill really quick, like the last time I fucking discharged. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you and me on the drive here were talking about, you know, how we, you, you're starting to feel like, oh, fuck, is this going to happen again? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think so. No, well, like, having gone through it before now, I, I can recognise when I'm doing stupid shit um, in terms of, like, cutting myself off from, yeah. from Mace and stuff and yeah. um, reaching out to, the you know, the guys I used to work with, with yourself, or, mm-hmm. you know, even if we're, we're playing games or something, just talking shit on Discord. Like, those are the things now that... Well, me, uh, me and Flynn are trying to give you tasks to do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, mate. You, you gave it. I'm far too busy, mate. I'm far too busy. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned um, gaming. I've been working with a group called Veteran Gaming Australia, or VGA. Hey, okay, here you go, mate. Here you go. And um, so I've actually uh, given them a letter of endorsement from our district to assist with them getting more chaplains uh, in amongst what they're doing. So okay. are you, are you, have you been playing... With them? No. No. So my, I haven't done too much with them, uh, but from the work that I've seen them doing is basically they've created an online community that is nationwide, so it's not bound by having to go into a sub-branch or a locale or Brisbane. Yeah, yep. Um, and they're, they're trying to build relationships um, with veterans who are isolated at home, whether you're in Sydney, Melbourne, you know, you're in lockdown, you're still yep, yep. doing nothing. You've got you know, mental or physical health issues that you're, you're struggling with. Um, jumping online, playing a game of Call of Duty with a padre that's currently serving in the army um, and just starting that conversation. The padres are trying to assist people through those things. Yeah. Um, and because they're essentially social workers, they can pick up on things that you or I, the untrained person, wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so those guys are building a very strong community around that. So. It's funny that you, you mentioned gaming because it is definitely something that I am looking at moving forward with RSL because getting people out of the house, even well, even just getting them socialising in yes. an online setting to yep. begin with. Yeah. Because as you were saying, people with depression, anxiety and all those those conditions, they don't want to leave the house. Yeah. They don't want to go outside because it's it's too overburdening. So Well, and not only that, but the uh, probably our generation as well like we're so much more engaged uh with technology now and like we basically a lot of people live their lives through their online presence and that's got to be a part of the change as well as understanding like the most important thing like advice that i've given to people i know who who are going through similar things as me is like um you've got to find something that you you know makes you want to get up in the morning and and do something whatever you're passionate about that's the key and and hand in hand with that is that social aspect of connecting with other people. And whether that's, you know, actually physically going down to an RSL branch or mates for mates or something like that, or it's sitting online talking on Discord, shit talking, like that, that for me was, has been such a help. Um, well, that's helped me this week because obviously I've been off work for weeks now with yeah. my injury. In the last couple of days, I've been like, I've been depressed as because I can't go do anything. Mm. And you, me, and Ra's been jumping on 
uh, online every night gaming yeah. together, and I've been like looking forward to that every day. Yeah, yeah, it's something I don't get to look to see forward you to as much anymore. Yeah. So you know, and like the other night, I think we just like we're crying with laughter for three hours <laughs> yeah. nonstop. And it was it was the best part of my day. So yeah, it's weird. Well, it's not weird. But look, I just can't. But that's it. yeah, like it's you overlooked that, that. Yeah, gaming is such a well, big thing. The, the, the way I found out about it is I went up to one of our sub branches general meetings because as uh, vice president of the district, I get a, an allocation of sub branches which I'm their director for. Yeah, and that just means that if they have issues that they can't solve, they come to me and I try to assist them through it. So I went up there to um, just look over one of their general meetings, you know, introduce myself, and there was a young young guy there about our age, probably a little bit younger. And he wasn't a veteran, he was just a social member, just trying to, to help out the, the club. And we got to the general business and he goes, oh, I'd just like to talk about um, this group called VGA, Veterans Gaming Australia. And the moment he said the word gaming, I looked around the table and everyone either switched off, yeah, or yeah. I saw one guy roll his eyes in the back of his head and this young fellow was like, oh, you know, blah, 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 they do this, they've done that, I've been doing this with them, you know, it's for veterans only, so I'm mm. no longer, you know, working with them, but it's really good. And I was the only person who listened to them because, well, A, I'm a gamer, and yeah. B, mm. because I, I guess it's my job. So, but everyone else switched off. They didn't want to know about it. Yeah, because um, they, don't, they don't understand it. Because it's not from their generation. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And, and this is that forced modernization is we've got to really look at how people are engaging and as much as I detest social media mm. and I would shut mine down like that we have to, I have to run the subreddit yeah. because that's a lot of our engagement if not all of our engagement what's now well, you know, if, I, if I want to find out about something a business I'll go to social media I'll go to their Facebook or their Instagram and you skim through that's, that, that's where mean, your you presence can, is you, you can look up their website yeah. but most of the time if you're looking for a service you're going to go to a social media page or Google reviews, yeah. and you're going to see if people are giving it two stars because the service is shit. Mm. You're not going to you're going to look for a different provider. Yeah. yeah. If you go, and, and that's where the social aspect of even Google um, reviews and stuff like that is is plays an important mm. part. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely. but a lot of the older branches don't understand that. Yeah. So it was just it was really grating for me seeing them completely ignore something that he'd given them. Yeah. And I've followed up on it, and I've seen the great work that they're doing. So I'm hoping to continue to support them well into the future. Yeah. I mean, like, there's still plenty of guys who, like, you know, love four wheel drive and get out fishing, like, you know, but you've got to, if you can't just keep targeting the same thing and expect a different result. Like, if you don't start opening up and, again, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, nothing's yeah. ever going to change. Yeah, that's right. And it's catering, you're not going to cater for everyone. Mm. Mm. You can't please everyone with the same result. So you've got to try different things. You've got to just keep changing. It's ever shifting goalposts. Yeah. Yeah, Do you, of course. For like um, social members or people joining up, um, is there any kind of questionnaire that like about you know what their hobbies or interests are? No, but under the new constitution uh, and the membership structure, there's things called chapters of interest mm -hmm. that they're looking at bringing in. So, for example, my sub-branch, I'm working closely with, we've got a local tabletop gaming group called Springfield Gamers. Yep. Um, so I play Warhammer 40K. Yep. Um, so I, they have one day, the second Sunday of the month, where we go down and play tabletop games. Um, so in the new structure, we, I can bring them into my sub-branch as a chapter of interest. Um, and then that way we can put veterans into that chapter. Yeah. Rather than us making them a chapter, I think they're doing a great job. And what I would do is I would just get my veterans who are interested to join them. But there are they are looking at bringing in social connections or social chapters. So, for yeah. example, in 
Gundawindi or Warwick or wherever the sub-branch is out your way, you guys might have a full driving chapter of interest. Yeah, yeah. And mm. so you... That's that's so good. So for everyone in your... Because you, obviously you've got a large rural area. Yeah. You might have people come from all over that place and meet yeah. for a full drive weekend under the RSL sub-branch mm. banner. Um, and that might be your social club. It could mm. be it could be fishing, it could be shooting, yeah. it could be anything. Because that might be where a lot of these... Um, veteran um, services might be going wrong is trying to be able to do it all themselves where they should be the nexus through which you send people to go like if you guys know like okay yeah there's a veteran retreat out there what they do is camping fishing whatever or we've got guys who and it might even not be guys who are veterans or anything like that but i know of a local club that does this that you're interested in and i, I might cop a little bit of flack for this but there's veterans and especially with rsl Veterans like to mingle with veterans. Uh, obviously, we, we've had similar experiences. We've had similar training. We understand the way we think, stuff like that. Yeah. But I believe that that can be uh, counterproductive. Yes. yes. So yes. if we sit in our own little group, we, mm-hmm. we fester and we, all of our own problems are our own. We don't integrate back with society. Yeah. So mm. if I can have a veteran come into my sub-branch looking for assistance and he wants to do four-wheel driving, and there's a full local four-wheel drive club. I'm, I don't want to reinvent the wheel and create a four-wheel drive chapter. <laughs> yeah. I want to walk him down there. Yeah. I might pay, we as a sub-branch might pay for his membership for 12 months. Yep. Get him in there, get him involved. He doesn't have to worry about the expense of joining. He's, he's joined, he can do his own thing, and he might you know, carry on with that. Yeah. But it's just like you were saying, it's, it's re- trying to reinvent that wheel. We can't do yep. everything. Yeah. So my vision, and this is going to go down the rabbit hole, Good. Uh, for Greater Springfield is I want to beg, borrow, and steal tens of millions of dollars to build. Uh, they're calling them welfare hubs. Yep. The Oasis facility in Townsville yep. um, is one of one stage of the concept. They've just opened a DVA-funded one in Nowra as well, where people can come in and get services that they need. And I'm, I've got a whiteboard probably about that size with services ranging from allied health services to social services to sub-branch services, um, social clubs as well, yep. daycare, all that stuff. So if you walk in there, you can get any service that you want, but we're not the ones providing it. Yeah. So I'm working with, or let's say I'm working with a physiotherapy group or a health group that provides podiatry, hand therapy, physiotherapy, exercise physiology, I can walk you down to their office and get you in touch with them. Yeah, so you're just putting and the two together, basically. Yeah. Yep. So I, we were originally, the the inception name for them were hubs, welfare hubs. I think hub is the wrong word. The hub is a centralization of resources. What we need is a nexus. So you come into the, the sub-branch nexus and then we yeah. You head out to where you need to okay. go. Okay. Yeah. So rather than trying to hold on to you, yeah. we put you where you need to be. Yeah. And and that's not going to be with us. We can't provide everything. Mm. I don't think, like you said, not all service organiza- ex-service organizations can provide everything. Yeah. yeah. So. The, the amount of money that you would need to create all these clubs or social groups, you're never going to do it. No. Yeah. No, and, and then you start looking at the, the financial side of it is if, if you give the fishing club a million dollars mm. for the year. Well, then you've got to give the full drive club a million dollars. Yeah. Or else that's unfair. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. um, but if you've got external clubs and that builds into community. So f- for example, we're working with the YMCA. So when we have veterans come in with families, I, I don't have the experience, the knowledge or the qualifications to run children programs, yep. whether they be 
small children or adolescent children. The YMCA, on the other hand, do that already. Yeah. So if veterans come in and say, we need some childcare or we need some assistance with our kids, I can walk downstairs to the YMCA coordinator and be like, hey, we've got this family. Have you got programs that we can put them in? Yeah. Um, also, where it's connected to the school out there. So there's a defense liaison officer in that school. Like that's oh, how okay. big our defense community is out there. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. if she's got issues with like defense partners being deployed and the kids having a hard time because their mum or dad's away then we can support them yeah we can get them what they need or, or we can support the, the parent that's staying at home so it's building those community ties and building that that nexus around our community mm. and it's just not for us either that'll be i'm hoping for southeast queensland yeah so it's a very very big ambitious plan um, but well, anyone out there listening who's got tens of millions of dollars <laughs> that have done fund this no but that's definitely Mate, like something like that would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's that nexus of, look, here's here's the support. Where do you need to go? Yeah. We can connect you. But yeah, it's it's kind of letting go of the um of what RSL and I think other veteran services have to do is is let go of perhaps this uh <sighs> ego or or whatever it is. Like, oh no, we 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 do the best kind of services, whatever. Is like honestly look at what you can and can't achieve, and then what do well what you can achieve with the money that you've got, and then. Um, guide people yeah. to who can do other things better that that person actually needs. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and look, that was something I came into the organization when I started moving up. I was like, why can't we provide this? We should be able to provide this. But now, after seeing how the organizational structure works and we just, the, the multitude of services are required, we can't provide. Mm, yeah. And I understand that now. Like we would, and honestly, we'd be like a government sized entity. It's yeah. just too much. Yeah. But this is where we build those relationships with the community. Mm. And like I said, it gets veterans engaging with members of the community, yeah. not our community, because we've got our friends, we've got our connections. We need to branch out and the guys that have transitioned out of defense really need that um, civilian connection. Yeah, like It's great to have your defense family and friends, but you need to have your civilian ones. Yeah, you've got to start moving forward because if you keep just wanting to live in your little bubble and talk army or defense shit all the time, yeah. you, it's, you're never going to get any better. Exactly. Yeah, right. You're still in that same headspace. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where I, I know for myself, having our friends from when we were younger being all, you know, mostly civilian. Yeah. It's a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not always getting dragged back into defense stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, mate, for those watching, listening who want to get involved, where can people find the best information or the best way to get in contact with someone to help them? RSL Queensland website. Yep, so the website, best thing. And social media, I know you said you guys are... My own, we've got our own sub-branch one. A couple of sub-branches have their own um, yep. social media things. But basically, if you get in contact with State Branch, whether that be through email, the website, there should be a little button that says get involved Mm. Um, and then you follow the link you fill out your details to join as a member um, and then you pick which sub-branch basically you type in the area so my area code is 4300 you'll come up with a list of about six sub-branches which is Goodna, Springfield, Greenbank all those sort of ones in that area pick which one you want uh, and then go from there so but if you want specific information call state branch call district it'll filter down through the chain yeah Shane, you'll put the links in. It's a, I do apologise. It's a little convoluted at the stage, but that's um, right. With the upcoming potential constitution changes at the end of the year, that's kind of the focus at the moment. 
um, yep. getting that across the line so that way we can be a more inclusive organization. And yep. Once that happens, we'll hopefully be able to push out more services to members and, and provide members with yeah. what they yeah. need. Like, well, so really right now, there's never been a better time to get involved with the RSL, especially if you want to like, you know, people lose uh, their passion and um, like a sense of purpose after leaving mm-hmm. defense. And if you want to be a part of something, I guess, and be a part of progressing something into the future and making it better, like, I guess right now is the best time to get involved with that. It's, it's our organization. Yeah. Mm. Um, we're the ones who are going to inherit it um, because we're the only ones that are going to be there when, yeah. in, in years to come. The older generation are getting older, so mm. we're going to have to pick up the slack. Not only that, but it's a membership-based organization. I think a lot of people go into sub-branches and there's already a leadership structure uh, or a hierarchical structure of your president, treasurer, secretary. They're just titles for positions for administration work. Just yep. because I'm the president of Springfield, I don't really get to make too many decisions on my own. It's our membership basis. So if all 60 of my members come into a general meeting and they all say, we don't want you as president anymore, then we have a vote. And if they vote me out, they vote me out. Somebody else takes the position. Yep. It's the members and the veterans that hold the power in the organisation. Mm. Um, so... You know, I, I know they say it every year during election campaign, but every vote counts. Yeah. And it, and it does. Yeah. So well, definitely, guys, like, support the RSL, get involved, do your research on it as well. Like Doug said at the beginning of the episode, um, in 10 years, the RSL might not be around. And it's ours now to mm. take hold and, you know, run with the torch. Um, Doug, thanks for coming on, mate. And, no, no worries. Uh, hopefully, some more guys get involved. Yeah, look, and if anybody's happy, uh, sorry, if anybody wants to contact me specifically, um, I'll make my contact details available to you guys and you can yeah, we'll yeah, we'll put that on social media. So, awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. No worries. Thank All you very right. much. Another episode from Mal Just the Monkeys. We're out. <laughs>